You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Chuck and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and this week I have two of the blackest podcasters on the MLGA network with me. I thought it was kind of funny because when I was putting together this this conversation for the show, because all of the race stuff that's going on right now, I thought about these guys and I wanted to bring them on, but then I had this realization. I never think of them as the black people on the network. I've never given it a second thought. It's just Kim and Thaddeus. So joining me today is Kim from Lesbertarian and Thaddeus from Thank You for Your Servers. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you, Thaddeus? I'm living a dream. (laughs) First things first, what are you drinking while we're chatting tonight? I feel like that's an important aspect of this podcast right now. If I may go first, I'm just drinking something of a local um, concoction from our local brewery here, Bosque Brewing here, out of the beautiful city of Albuquerque, New Mexico, in the land of entrapment, New Mexico. Um, it's just something light to kind of, you know, help uh, let's say, lubricate the conversation that we're about to have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, uh, I, I am going to keg a beer tonight, but, um, you know, and maybe have something a little bit more potent on tap, but that's what I'm drinking. I mean, what you drinking? I saw you hold up a bottle earlier a bit. Oh, I'm 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 sucking down a, a blue moon Belgian white at the moment, mm. but I have some uh, I have some Sailor Jerry off to the side just in case I need a little extra, a little extra help. Got it. So we, I, I just want to make sure we have as many different types of alcohol, you know, represented in this show. So what do you got for us, Kim? Right now, I've got a Moscato Sangria. Ooh, I drink Ooh. a lot of wine now because after I had <laughs> what made me feminine removed from my body. My stomach can't digest <laughs> beer for some re- weird reason. Can you eat bread? Yeah, it still hurts. Jeez. Huh. Weird. I think it's just anything that causes the bloat. Gotcha. I have no idea. It causes really inflammation in your in your gut. Yeah, pretty much. Got it. Well, we're talking tonight because the world has blown up around us. And one of the things that I have heard a lot from white liberals, especially not not as much black liberals, but, you know, those guilty white liberals, is that you can't have a have an opinion on race or what's going on in the world, etc., if you're a white man. You have to be able to live the black experience to have a, what's the word, a legitimate understanding of it. And I feel like that's a little silly. It's kind of like when people say that you can't have an opinion on abortion if you don't have a uterus, you know? Like, I mean, I feel like white people should be able to say that racism is wrong and not be told to shut the hell up. Is that crazy? Well, allow me to absolve you right now as, the, okay. uh, as, a, as, the, as a, with my blackness. Um, first of all, I think that argument is absolutely um, false. Um, I think it's facetious. I think it's a waste. I, it's literally someone basically saying when, when they want to have a conversation with a white person about race, it's shut up and let me you know yell at you until I feel better about myself and I feel that you understand me or you run away in fear or you bow and you kneel. 
I think it is the most egregious way. It's the most egregious thing anyone could possibly do to, to basically ask to have a conversation and then basically to shout that person down and yell at that person and basically say that you don't understand. You don't understand while saying, let's have a conversation to understand. In my opinion, to say something very provocative, it almost like it's, it creates more racists. And I, and I, and I don't, I don't for the life of me understand why after the election of Orange Jesus, for which everyone hates, <laughs> then you're going to double down and tell the 62 million people who voted for Orange Jesus that they're racist and that that's somehow going to make them say, hmm, you're right. That's right. I'm not going to vote for uh, Cheeto Jesus anymore. It's, it's preposterous and stuff like that. So don't, don't feel bad, right? If you have to ask questions, we can have, <laughs> we can walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, the riots are bad. What they did to George Floyd was effed up and, you know, it was murder. I mean, just say it. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, and yeah, man, maybe the first couple of days, the protests. All right. That's cool. Because that happens a lot. Right. Because it happened with um, uh, the uh, the Aubrey cat that was in Georgia. Right. And, you know, that was relatively peaceful considering. Right. Also, like the protesters who were also flanked by dudes with guns. So that actually kind of helped matters. Right. That's that's such a that's one of the weirdest things that I keep seeing are pictures of the protest of the white people that went up to Virginia and they had guns on their backs. And then they show a picture of the riots that are going on right now. And they're like, well, one was unarmed black protesters. The other were white people with guns. Why do you think the white people with guns didn't get shot at with tear gas and stuff? Mm -hmm. They had guns. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, you know, the armed <laughs> society is a polite society. And now granted, let's not, you know, let's, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right. I mean, you know, they were. People who kind of looked like the cops that were at the Capitol. But at the end of the day, there were still black people in those audiences. I mean, there were still black people in those right. protests with guns, right? Even, yeah. in Minnesota, even in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, where, like, there were some guys they were interviewing in front of a store who, you know, hey, we came, you know, some big burly white guys in there say, hey, man, we decided to come and help these people out because all they had was a machete. And these people were, you know, looting and stuff like that. Flanked in the background, you know, maybe as a maybe as a fixture, but flanked in the background was a brother with an AR-15. So to me, it, it, it's this is silly. And I think as we kind of you know, proceed through this conversation, we're, what, we're, what we will find and what we'll ultimately come to the conclusion of is the race thing was just kind of like kindling for like lighting on fire. Basically, what we have done to this country over the last six months, six months. Three years. Well, yeah, there's the three years, right? There's the gaslighting that's been going on for three years, but yeah. If you think about it, though, it's a really brilliant plan because, I mean, who who wants to be seen as a racist? Who wants to disagree? Because if you disagree, it sounds like you don't really care about human beings. So it's the most perfect narrative, just no matter what you throw at that, that whole you're a racist thing if you don't do this or you don't believe this thing, then, I mean, they could use that for years on end to control people because People just don't want to be seen as awful humans. One of the things that I find so weird about the conversation with the anti-racist black evangelicals evangelists <laughs> um, is every time you ask them a question, I've, I've done this. I've asked, I have a, I, I had a guy from college that I knew named Andre. He's huge into the black lives matter thing, uber progressive at this point. And I just asked him, this was right when Black Lives Matter started. And I was like, okay, dude, I just, I'm curious because nothing huge had gone on yet. But I was like, okay, so Black Lives Matter isn't a bad slogan. I was like, but do you think 
that you could have wooed more allies had you said all lives matter? Had you opened the door up for this to equalize all of the people that are experiencing this? Would that have helped or hurt? And he was absolutely offended by the question. And he told me, black people don't owe you an explanation. You have to do your research on your own. Is that the literally the race equivalent of Google it? <laughs> yeah. That's something I see on Twitter a lot. Black people don't owe you an explanation. You have to earn their time. But you're literally using the, the movement to rip down civil society. So I think yeah. at the very least we should give a reason, even an excuse, but to give no explanation, that that isn't fair. And what was bad about it was because I thought of All Lives Matter as a marketing tool that they could have used to perhaps kind of bring in more people. But this was before that became a racist statement. All Lives Matter is now racist, if you say it. Yeah, isn't and weird? I, apparently, I, I didn't pass it around, luckily, but because, you know, I, I know that if I had, it would have been pointed at me. That Cam Harless guy... <laughs> <laughs> he, he started All Lives Matter. <laughs> Wanted racist Cam Harless. This is, this is the exact reason why I keep saying, you know, I'm done with any of these arguments that involve, you know, anything race related, you know, saying All Lives Matter when they say Black Lives Matter, because they're not listening. It, the narrative is set right. up perfectly for you to seem very inhumane and racist to them, their definition, if you say anything different. That's why I won't engage in that argument because that fuels it. That's their narrative and you're making it perfect. You sound hateful and that's what they want. Right. And and that's why I've abandoned any of that whatsoever. That was back in probably 2013 or 2014. Which is pretty much about the time things started going almost comically south. Well, and that's that's one of the things that for me, what Kim's talking about I think is true because... This is not a learning tactic. This is not a tactic to kindly or gently or peacefully change things. I feel like this is a submission tactic. When I got on Instagram and I saw all of those black boxes on Tuesday, yeah. my first thought wasn't, oh my gosh, look at all these good people. I didn't even think at first, oh, look at all this virtue signaling. I saw, oh, wow. A lot of people, including people that have never been a part of the race conversation, just submitted. And I saw submission. And is that racist to see that? Is that is that crazy to see that wall of black that I saw on Instagram as more or less a submission? It's sickening. Well, yeah, it's it's sick. It's also not going to do a damn thing for anything. So it's fantastic. I was like, I don't know how you guys putting up. A bunch of black squares is going to stop cops from kicking my ass. It's useless. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with him there. I, there, there this, this hasn't changed. I, we did this back in, when was Ferguson? Please give me a timeline. Dude, I don't even know. Right, when was, when was Trayvon Martin? When was, um, I don't Ferguson happened Freddie when Gray. I was at a company called Calidus Cloud. So I think that that was probably 2014. Right, so the long story short of this is, we've been here before, and what has changed? Yeah. Maybe it's not the race, maybe it's not the race thing. Well, what's, what's changed is they've weaponized the culture against anyone who would dare say, like, well, actually, what happened was, now, we can all agree what happened, but we, like, but even, like, trying to get to the root of it, which is what I like to try to do when I look at a story, 
Do you know that it, they have completely and utter whitewashed any story that was describing what uh, George Floyd's life was prior to this and how it was actually not even it's not even a negative story. It's like he he robbed some people. He went to jail and he had a redemption story and he came back and he got out and stuff. And and like but here's the deal. I couldn't find that story anymore. It got literally scrubbed from the Internet. They're literally trying to, to basically um Made him make him some sort of patron saint of of, of wokeism for a, another marketing ploy and for Black Lives Matter for Antifa for name a corporation that turned its avatar on social media black. It's disgusting. I actually, I mean, they they did deify him, and that is something that I keep seeing more and more of. I saw a pastor, Andy Stanley. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah directly call him the Samson of our time because Samson in his death put his two hands on a pagan temple and destroyed the pagans and that's what George Floyd did by being brutally murdered by police. Yeah, they've made him into a symbol. He's no longer a human. Like on all sides, they've made him just a name, not even a real person anymore, just whatever cause. And depending on what side you're on, he's either the devil or he's Jesus. Yeah. Which is which is which is sad, but but that, that's the thing, right? Like even even that, right? And, and not to kind of fall into that trap, but like no one seems. I, at least I have not run into anyone who says like, eh, you know, eh, maybe he shouldn't have resisted arrest, or maybe he shouldn't have did this, or maybe he shouldn't have did that. I don't. I don't think I've run into anyone who said like his yeah. death was deserved, right? And I think everyone's just like. You know, even to the point of being kind of sickening, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 man, he didn't deserve to die. It's like all this throat clearing, it has to happen. And stuff. No, that should be obvious. That should be obvious that he shouldn't have died. It should be obvious that, right. like, the protests in the beginning made sense. But it was also should be obvious that the, once they, once the infiltrators came in, not the white nationalists, as you are trying to be led to believe, but literally um, leftists, I, I, I would dare, I dare not call them anarchists. They're catastrophists. Leftist college yeah, students. Yeah, well, very rich leftist white <laughs> college students. And for lack of a better word, thugs from the hood basically got together, started burning down burning shit down and like 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 stealing stuff, right? That's when it turns out. Yeah. Destroying black businesses. Yeah. Now that's the yeah, that's the thing that hurts the most, man. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you two in particular, is because I know you're both heavily capable of thinking in nuanced ways. I know a lot of people who can't. And one of the the conversations I had, I actually had it with Thaddeus and um, Ryan the other night, was I personally feel like there does need to be a line drawn between the peaceful protesters and the rioters and looters. I think that there are probably people who probably have all of the wrong ideas about government. And they're they're doing the peaceful protesting and they're marching and they're trying to make a change and I, I feel like it's wrong to lump those people in with the rioters and the looters. What do you think about that? Yeah, we can agree on that. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I don't even understand what the point of these looters are. And I just, I, I can't really champion that. Like, they, it was peaceful. And it, there's still been a couple gatherings that were really peaceful. I mean, a lot of them in Las Vegas were. But I just don't understand the idea of... I'm going to go to this protest and I'm going to start stealing things. Those are, they probably had that planned in the first place, thought it was a good opportunity, which is a sad thing to say about humanity. Well, yeah. And that's, that's one of the points that I've made is 
when it comes to the looters in particular, that is a function of opportunism. I mean, you see that same behavior when there's a hurricane or a big storm. When people see, hey, there's a chance I can get away with taking a TV from Target, people take that that chance. They're like, oh, hey, I can do this. Let's do it right now. Whereas the rioters, there are a lot of there are a lot of white faces behind black masks. I think we can. Yeah, I think honestly, yeah, we we are a little bit more nuanced to understand it. It started out peacefully. We do we can do all that throat clearing and stuff like that. And if there were actually, you know, as things progressed, provocateurs who were who have been looking for an opportunity for a very long time um, to uh, wreak havoc. And then, unfortunately, what I find is, as still a man who delves and lives in, in the world of the MAGA boomer, boomer con right, then it only takes a couple of thugs and some, you know, black-cladded idiots from, you know, colleges in Madison, to, to talk specifically of Minneapolis, to, like, then on, you know, boomer, the boomer MAGA side of Twitter to see, like, ah, see, it's this, these, all these protests are just, just, just violent thugs and this and that. I mean, because you get that. And it, it's hard to combat against that. It's just like, look, you, you have to understand that the police in the African-American community, for, for better or for worse, over the last decade has been looked at as an occupying force. Before then, it's, it was never, it, it was kind of not looked at as an occupying force because crime was so bad in the early 90s. And I'm old enough to remember uh, the very same black leaders who are still in Congress to this day standing behind President Clinton as he signed a crime bill and, and, and un- yeah. basically unleashed the cops on these neighborhoods. And now they have buyer's remorse on what that has wrought. Um, on top of the militarization that the police has gone on over the past decade and a half, you can empathize with those things, but it's hard to get that across to the BoomerCon MAGA right. Uh, and so they're going to jump on these these occasions where brothers brothers and sisters get the hell out of hand and they start burning burning stuff down and hurting people and stuff like that. And yeah, were there white supremacist groups on Twitter sitting in their basement fomenting this? Those guys have always done that. They've been wanting a race riot since Helter Skelter. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it, it, to me, it, I, I don't know. The, the whole thing is gross. And, and when the riots basically happen, uh, that, that were birthed from these protests, then now you're going to polarize your boomer, right? And they're going to be like, they're going to back the blue. They're going to, um, they're going to, you know, find all these, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, snippets and clips of, you know, Antifa doing what Antifa does, uh, black folks don't doing what black folks does. And then, of course, on the left and particularly our libertarian left friends <laughs> are going to point out the cops either defending themselves or being too overzealous or whatever, or pointing out, you know, all these instances of police thuggery. I wouldn't even call it brutality because a lot of the time it's just crowd control. Because you now have a bunch of people who are agitated uh, going at a bunch of people who have billy gloves and guns. And typically you're going to get clashes and it's going to be disgusting. And so now we have our perfect polarization. It's kind of like your Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. You have a perfect polarization now. And you see it on Twitter, which is, I should get off of it. It's a cesspool, right? 
Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's my favorite. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of one of those things. It's a love hate relationship, right? Like you can look at the what's happening, trending topics, click on any of the things, and even it's 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 every it's it's a leftist playground. It's a leftist fever dream here in Twitter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what facts are. And then, I mean, I we can get into later on the failures of the Libertarian Party as a whole, not to truly understand <laughs> and, 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 you know, to, to chew gum, you know, and walk at the same time when it comes to this. But I think everyone is falling victim to this throat clearing. And, and it's getting to the point where that throat clearing doesn't even matter anymore. And, it knew, and then with it, the death of nuance about why, like, hey, like, this cop is terrible. These cops are awful. Um, and, you know, the protests were justified until such time as provocateurs came over and turned it into a riot. Once it turns into a riot, people call out for a guy, uh, a king. And, you know, you know, the looting starts, the shooting and beatings start. I mean, that's. Yeah, if it's <laughs> if it's if your party choices are between fire and not fire, most people are going to choose not having fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does remind me a lot of uh 1968 oh yeah if i'm remembering i've been saying the year correctly i've been saying it on twitter for the past week because i've been trying to think this through you know how does trump come out of this ahead and for a few days i was like well you know if he if he goes out there and he does the right thing which is to say hey what's your issue how can i alleviate this what can we do to work together then he gets called weak by all the the people that are going to vote for him. And if he goes strong arm, I was thinking, oh, well, that that just makes everything worse. And he becomes the president that shot black people. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so I was like, you know, where where is what's the game that he can play to bring, you know, take the advantage in this. And 1968 came to mind today. And I was like, it's it's a. Even though this is this has historically been proven to be slightly false, but I mean, but well, not even false, slightly false, over exaggerated, is he dog whistles? He dogs whistles to the suburbs in the in the hill in the hills and the hollers about these blue minority cities being out of hand, yeah. and he plays off that by part of using party, and he basically becomes your law. He comes back to be your, being your law and order president. That's what Nixon did. Nixon did this the Southern strategy, which was basically a whisper to the basically the um, Wallace, the the people who were Wallace yeah. sympathizers, but weren't going to openly vote for George Wallace. And um, oh, but I mean, historically, I mean, a lot of people did vote for George Wallace in the South um, in nineteen sixty eight election. But you, yeah, you 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 actually use the dog whistle strategy that every leftist seems to uh, blame everyone else i mean it's funny how this dog whistle everyone all leftists seem to hear but we don't i don't i don't i don't get it um you use that strategy and you play off the law and order because right now this is chaos not anarchy yeah it's chaos thank you (laughs) because that is one of my biggest pet peeves because i mean just on a intellectual level even if i didn't you know subscribe to anarchy it's like before i even did that i was like that that's not what that word means that means no rulers why don't you know what words mean there are a lot of rulers right now who are who are fighting these people this isn't anarchy the the police didn't go home but yeah i i digress (laughs) Um, but yeah so speaking of trump i came across an article 
right before we were set to record, and I wanted to read you a quote from Joe Biden that he made at an African-American church in Wilmington, Delaware. (laughs) He said, uh, there is the idea that instead of standing there and teaching a cop when there's an unarmed person coming at him with a knife or something to shoot him in the leg instead of in the heart. There's a lot of different things and policies that can be changed. What in the world? First of all, that that isn't that doesn't understand. I mean, but first of all, that sort of shows a complete and total ignorance of rules of engagement by law enforcement and like <laughs> even you know even soldiers on the battlefield. Um, That's what people say who watch too much movies and don't pay attention to the world around them. Yeah, you yeah. can you can hurt wow. you can hurt someone badly or and kill them just as easily. Shoot him in the leg as you do hit center yeah. mass. It's like you can bleed out. It's possible. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, there are arteries there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big ones. But one of one of the things that I've noticed on Twitter over the last two days or so were videos, particularly in New York City, of the protesters partying in the parks and in different places after the protest was over, dancing and having fun and all of that. And I had this thought, and I want to know what you think. Do you think that the way these protests and riots are going are at all a response to coronavirus and people being stuck in their house for the last three months and not having being able to leave? They've lost their minds. Do you think that part of this, or how much of this do you think is people going, oh, I can get out of my house and do something. 90, all I have to do is burn down a target. 90% of it. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, I've seen, I've been in Discord groups and different groups and seeing a lot of people that are, definitely more left-leaning like during the entire virus thing we're just melting down and just it was it was kind of upsetting to see watching all these people who couldn't emotionally (laughs) handle everything so i can see why they would just go out there and have lost a damn mind i think honestly yeah yeah i think so yeah i was just thinking man i think this might be a lot of it might be a response to these stay-at-home orders to the government telling people yeah. that they can't leave their house, and if they do, they're going to kill their grandma. Yeah. Suddenly, the researchers and people who were advising on on the coronavirus are now saying that they stand behind the the peaceful protests. When in Virginia, when they decided to have a peaceful protest about coronavirus, they were demonized. They were white racists, or they wanted to, you know, put grandma in danger because they wanted a haircut or go to a bar. Yeah. Allow me to paint a picture of what this actually is. And it basically dovetails it to Kim's point and to exactly the point that you brought up there, Cam. Imagine this. Stay-at-home orders have been in place for, eh, let's say, about 60 to 75 days in most parts of the country. There are no sports on TV. Bars aren't open. People can't go to parks. People can't pull off steam. People, I mean, some people who are pretty eat up, ate up about this ain't even, you know, having sex. The simple fact of the matter is this was, <laughs> a, I mean, all the kindling was there. For this explosion. All we needed was an opportunity. So, oh, wait a minute. I can be righteous and at the same time go out and I can get my square bone. I can get some, I can go out to eat and go, you know, burn shit down. I can do what, you know, I can meet people. I can bug out. I mean, it's spectator sport. You know, why am I going to sit at home? This, this basically puts a a light at a myth that the coronavirus was a super dangerous thing because suddenly now you have these, these professionals virtue signaling as they always do saying like, you know, Nah, that's cool. 
this is yeah, this is fine. You know, it's like no, no, wait a minute, no, no. Literally a month ago, you were yelling at people who go, who went to the Michigan State Capitol with guns and calling them white supremacists and evil and terrible, and they want to kill grandma and they want they want to put profits above lives and all this other all this other these talking points. And suddenly, like, nah, it's cool, it's cool. They can go out and burn stuff, you know, burn stuff down and 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 beat down grandma and sh- you know shoot and shoot people and do whatever stuff like that. Nah, that's cool. You know, it's just angry. So coronavirus is over. The pandemic is done, right? Apparently. It's a, rhetor- it's a rhetorical question. It, 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 it isn't. It isn't gone anywhere because it hasn't because it because it, it was never really that bad. And so now, yeah, basically this is this is that is the big component. You also have like 20, 30 million people out of work. Not forty five not forty two million who have filed for unemployment, but twenty one point six or seven million who aren't working. That's a tremendous amount of people. Not to mention the people who are like Still having to deal with stay-at-home orders, still having to deal with the fact that some of their favorite places have occupancy requirements and so they really can't go. Some places you have to wear a mask or you're going to get, you know. It's funny, the police, I, I assume these same leftists that hate the police and police brutality and they're doing all this kind of, you know, let's black out my avatar. Or the same mugs who were like applauding when like police were hemming people up for not wearing masks, hemming people up for not for opening their salons, hemming people up for, you know, walking on the beach, hemming people up for being, you know, not socially distanced. It's like the cognitive dissonance is disgusting. It's 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 baffling to me. And to me, it's it wasn't about the coronavirus. It wasn't about it. Once we got to like month two, it wasn't about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I said pretty regularly that I believed it was a stress test. I think at this point, people, the stress, they've been stressed enough and they're out. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they they, they found the point. It's it's what? what, Okay, March, April, what's about three months? And then people will pop off. Yeah, I think they know now. And I think um, (laughs) they foment it to their some. It's funny. Leftist politicians tend to think that they can quell, that they can, um, I don't know, be the Pied Piper of the mob. It's like, no, you will end up at the guillotines and, you know, Mussolini under the authority of the mob that you've empowered and that you've turned a blind eye to the thuggery that they're doing. And I, 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 they, it's dangerous. They're playing with fire by adopting this attitude that the rioting that's divorce the protest. The rioting is is a righteous indignation that should be like understood. No, it should be quelled. It should be quelled brutally. And 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 because you're damaging people's property, you're hurting people, people are getting killed. And it's just a one-two punch for the economy. So, for example, in Albuquerque, on Sunday night, my daughter, uh, accompanying one of her crazy liberal friends, Decided to go downtown to do to, to a march for, you know, you know, this whole situation. Um, it was relatively peaceful near the university. Um, they like, you know, not to um, as, as is typical with that generation. Her friend got tired and bored with it. And so they left. They subsequently then went <laughs> the rest of them. I don't know who were the hangers on with this protest that, that night. Went to downtown Albuquerque and proceeded to destroy most of Central. A day before the stay-at-home order was to be lifted. So on the first day that they are allowed to engage with customers, they are having to clean up broken windows, 
put out fires. And these people who were dealing with the one-two punch of an economy pretty much brought to its knees and cut off now are able to attempt to try to salvage what they have. And they're just cleaning up the mess from riots and foolishness. People are going to break. And I think they have broken. But you mentioned earlier, I don't know if you said his name, but Obama, Bill Clinton, both of these fuckers know that if they went out and made a statement right now, they could calm down the issue. Yet, have you heard a peep from either of them? Nope. Obama said something yesterday, but here's the deal. It's too late. Wait, did he say something about ending the the riots? Or did, I know he put out some article about standing behind BLM or the protests or whatever. Yeah, so I guess one would have to argue he doesn't, he shouldn't have to say that, that his very, because he, he is, you know, Lord Savior Obama, he should have just gone out there and said, I feel your pain and whatever. Maybe he should have more explicitly said, you know, cut this out. But, but um, no, Bill Clinton isn't going to say anything right now um, because. Well, but I mean, these two guys, because, you know, Bill Clinton being our first black president. Obviously. And Obama, <laughs> our, our second. <laughs> yeah. um, both of these guys could get out there and they could speak something into this. And how good would it look right now for the Democrats, for Barack Obama to stand up and say, hey, we can find a way. I will be your ambassador. I will talk to Trump, we'll find out ways to make this thing better. How good would that look for the, the the Democratic Party and Joe Biden in November? Oh, I mean, it would be great. But here's the deal. Everyone on that side is suffering from TDS. And they always, it's, it, they always overstep. It's been my experience paying relatively close attention to politics for better part of 20 years is that the left always oversteps. This is, you're right, this would be a perfect time for unity. But they're not going to do it because orange man bad. I'm sorry. They can't count out to their base yeah. um, enough <laughs> to be like, to, because why Why have a, a dialogue with someone who is literally Hitler, the devil, Mussolini, I, I don't know who, I, Pol Pot all rolled into one character with an orange coating. Like why... Why talk to that person, even though this would be the perfect time for the former president to basically say, you know, I will talk to Trump, whatever. I mean, he is the avatar of the black community, right? No, that would be too easy. No, it's orange man bad. And this, if things continue to go south like this, this is to their political advantage, they feel. I think they're wrong, but that's why it's not happening. I think that it's hilarious that the president that's had the most insults and adversity based on his skin color is Donald Trump. Orange Jesus himself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my God. I mean, I know it's a chosen skin color, but I mean, it's kind of funny. (laughs) because, Because you never stop hearing Cheeto or orange or whatever. It's just, I had that thought the other day. I was like, huh. You know, he gets more flack about his skin color than anyone else. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And it's funny, right? Like, what, what was the whole, like, and it's, it, it makes him, even to me, a sympathetic figure. Not because, because the guy's kind of a, kind of a boorish individual. You know, kind of a dick. 
He's kind of a dickhead. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> right. But it's like what is it like? Uh, there was a New Year's resolution one. Uh, no, I think it was in January or something like that. Like Matt Kibbe like did an article where basically the I think the first or the last thing of his ten top ten resolutions was stop making me defend Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Because the the criticism is so over the top when there's so many other things to criticize criticize him about, right? I mean, he does have very authoritarian tendencies. It's funny. He hasn't, honestly, in some areas, he really hasn't succumbed to those tendencies. Um, I don't know if that's the advisors. I don't know if that's Ivanka saying, Dad, calm the fuck down. I don't know what it is. Or maybe it's the, as I uh, posited one night in a Discord, maybe it's because he has... Uh, the Rand Whisperer in his ear. Um, hmm. I, I believe, like people like Rand Paul. I think his daughter. I think you know. You know. I mean, I think Fox News, uh, the Fox News uh, uh, opinion lineup, uh, primetime lineup. I think has much more influence over over policy than anything else. Some of it good. Some of it really terrible. Um, you know, what was the old adage in, at the beginning of his administration is he typically like echoes the last thing someone told him. It's like the last person in a room with the president is typically when the president speaks. That's a lot. He, that's the first thing he's going to say. Right. Um, Absolutely. Who, whoever gets that gets that man's ear last, last wins the day. Wins the day. Um, and that's which was which has been good when Rand Paul's been the last person that's talked to him. It, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Like, it has oh been, right? God. And that's why people and like libertarians that give Rand Paul shit, I'm like, you know, shut your fucking face, man. I mean, you know, would you rather Tom Cotton have his ear all the time <laughs> or Lindsey Graham, you know? Or, oh, or, oh, no, not Lindsey Graham. Yeah, well, yeah, for the law, all, for the law, all, I mean, for the, all of his holy, please, not Lindsey Graham or Tom Cotton or even Jeff Sessions at, at a time when, whatever. So, like, yeah. Feel better about this. When it comes to Lindsey Graham, I have. Okay, when I look at him, I think eh, tops three inches. How do you feel about it? <laughs> no, man, everyone knows Lindsey Graham's gay. Come on. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. More like in, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Do So, so yeah, like, I, I just feel like when it comes to race and the conversation about race, there is no room for nuance whatsoever. And the, the line, the goalpost has been shifted over time because back in the day, it would be great if you just weren't racist. I agree with that. Let's let's not be racist. But now the common line that I hear is not being racist isn't enough. You have to be anti-racist. And to make it even worse though is the fact that most of the time it's racist between white and black people a good portion of the time. I'm like there are no other races that are racist <laughs> at all. Let me tell you, I spent some time in Pennsylvania and the black people and the Puerto Ricans do not like each other. <laughs> so it's not just whites. <laughs> um, but how do you, like, that just seems, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was thinking it doesn't say 
I've never seen them say you need to be anti-racism. They say you need to be anti-racist. Do you feel like that's saying you need to be anti-people that think horribly? Or is it, do you think that they're actually constraining it? I doubt it, but do you think they're actually constraining it to the ideology? Option A. Yeah, I'm in. Like, am I supposed to teach my kids to go punch people in the face? Is that what I'm supposed to do now? Well, at the very least. Yeah, if they're Nazis, definitely. (laughs) uh, Definitely, definitely the nap doesn't apply. But I mean, no, it's 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 literally making someone, you know, persona non grata, period, point blank, if they hold yeah. icky views. Right. And it, and and they're making they're making people who are not racist racist because they're not anti racist. Right. It's kinda like Like it's just it's this huge goalpost switch, and I I think it's it just keeps going. Because racism, slavery, all of that is the original sin of the progressive religion. Absolutely. I mean, and I mean, and so like I have anecdotal, I have anecdotes about why I feel this has gone too far, right? I I should, if that's the case, if I have to, you know, basically disown people who are racist by being anti-racist, if we are to make a person racist and, you know, and make racist a personification or whatever, then my late grandma and granddad were pretty racist because I mean, you know, they did live and work in this, grow up in the South. Right. Well, I mean, they were raised that way. Most everyone in the country was raised that way at a certain point. Yeah. And so like, so should I, should I have to disown them? No, that is, that is preposterous. And that's stupid. Look at uh, Illinois and Chicago during the civil rights movement. They were some of the most violent people that were against the civil rights movement. Oh yeah. I, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I tell people this all the time, particularly about 1968, where like, if you were to look back at the, the polls at the time, three things are clear that have been kind of whitewashed throughout history. One, the Vietnam War, generally speaking, had support among the majority of the population. And like we we we, we like to be taught that like oh it was the is the protests and whatever and stuff like yeah people didn't like the fact the war was like going fucking terribly wrong but generally speaking yeah my lie changed some things yeah a little yeah bit. but it's even after my lie which was pretty much war criminality the majority of the population supported the troops and the Whoa. war the same thing with the civil rights movement civil rights movement did not have a plurality. Of public support. I just didn't. And so we whitewash history and stuff. So what makes you think, you know, that it, it, what makes you think now that like the history that's going to be written is going to be written like correctly, right? Um, majority of people right now, while they agree with the, why they are sympathetic to the protesters and they ag- agree that George Floyd should not have been murdered, um, back the cops because there's chaos. And and trust, look at it in twenty years, and like, oh yeah, the cops were brutal and terrible and whatever, and this and we, real change happened. Obviously, change hasn't happened because the cops are just as brutal and menacing in the six in nineteen sixty eight, and they still seem to be brutal and menacing today. What's changed? So, one of the things that I've been I've been trying to think through: what are the positives of this moment in history? What are the pos- positives that will come out of this? Um, because I like to try to be an optimist. I like to think that all will be well. You know, like I want that. 
And so it's, I try not to be too black pilled and pessimistic about things. Right. Right. Me too. Um, Me and too. I, I would, I would pose that question to you out of all of this right now. What do you think are the positives that could possibly come? Do you see any? Well, remember all the articles about there are no libertarians in a pandemic. <laughs> there, are, there are, there are, there are a lot of. I tell you what, there, what they, what there are a lot of anarchists in it and in, in, in chaos. Um, and there's a lot of libertarians in chaos. Uh, and there's a lot of people under, trying to re-looking at that Bill of Rights when it comes to the Fourth Amendment, when it comes to the Second Amendment, when it comes to even to a lesser extent the Tenth first Amendment. First Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if you're on the left, you don't care about the First Amendment anymore. Yeah, you but, never care about the First Amendment. <laughs> right. It, particularly when it's, if it's not spouting your narrative, you don't care about it. Um, Fuck those religions and speech. Yeah, yeah, that, that stuff, right? And so at the end of the day, like, uh, those are the positives, right? People are... Delighted to admit that the fact that like the state can protect you and people are realizing that, oh, crap, it can't. The fact that this big cities where which are very progressive and very um, poorly run, um, people within those are starting to realize like, wow, these guys really do shit on and restrict freedom. Also, wow, it's a pain in the ass to get a gun in Illinois or California or you name name the place. And on the and on the absolute positive note, the kind of put this put my spin on it because I'm a tech guy, right? And I have the, you know, tech podcasts. Thank you for your servers. <laughs> um we, I have always said, and I've said in a, in upcoming episodes, that when all this darkness is about done, and don't get don't get me wrong, there's more darkness to come. We're gonna be on some Star Trek shit on the other end of it. Look at like what's look at how quickly we were able to um, from a genetic standpoint, like break out this virus and figure out whatever. Look how quickly we were able to, once the government got the hell out of the way, come up with therapeutics, come up with tests. You know, we're, we have the most rigorous and like robust testing regime in the world. Yeah, maybe there's a 15, 20% chance that it's not as accurate, but it's better than most countries around the world. It's the reason why we have large numbers of people who have, who have been diagnosed with the COVID, right? Now we can break down state by state whether or not with COVID versus dying of COVID or, you know, that's a stat that needs to be kind of wrung out, but we test more than any other country on the planet. We are, despite Silicon Valley going absolute fucking woke crazy, there are still people grinding, building the next machine learning AI companies, building quantum computing companies, building, you know, you have SpaceX launching shit into space. We have, we'll have the world blanketed in, in internet in the next five years. Um, all from from pole to pole, um, we're we're gonna go probably at least back to the moon to see what it looks like. I don't think we'll land on it. Um, I, I I think Boots there. Yeah, I think I think people are gonna pay a lot more attention to their health now because you know the the, the you know the, the the thing that came out of this disease is the simple fact that like if you have a pre existing condition you know, or if you're any anyway compromised, um, you had a higher likelihood of getting it. Right, not necessarily dying from it, just getting it, and so people are going to really focus on that, and they're going to, and technology is going to be really focused on like what brings us the best health outcomes, um, you know, using things that aren't necessarily like the triage that is our medical system. I, I see many positive things coming out of it, and I honestly, when this is all said and done, I will definitely see people when this is done saying like, "Wow, this racism, like this this racism witch hunt, is bad." It's it's going to bring down a lot of good people, 
And kind of like what happened with the Me Too, there will be this turning point where people are just going to be like, okay, this is ridiculous. This stops. There's a lot more fuckery to come. But we will come out of this. Um, um, it may take a couple of years, but we will. Huh. Do you see any uh, hope that comes out of this, Kim? I think at this point, Daddy is pretty, pretty much boiled it down well. Though, I think if the message isn't clear by now that police brutality is allowed basically because of the power given to them by the government, if that is mm-hmm. not understood at this point, everybody's so concerned about race, but why isn't anybody seeing the fact that how do these people have the power to do this? Right. How, the ability to be able to kill somebody, to just do a no-knock raid on their house or some crazy stuff like that. If they don't see that at this point, I don't know. I've done my best to red pill as many friends as I can to tell them, like, the police really, you, you, don't be shocked what the police do, because the police have the monopoly to do three things to you. Extort you, kidnap you, and kill you. If you understand that, then your interactions with the police going forward will be a lot more pleasant. I mean, in a weird way. And right, and, and my my takeaway was the massive amount of red pilling going on right now. And not necessarily even with the police. Like that's part of it. But those but the rioters, they went after CNN. They went after reporters. The reporters and the journalists, the blue checks on Twitter right now, are trying to respond to the situation at hand in real time. And the the facts don't match the narrative they've already set up for this situation. I mean, take a look at that. I don't know who I don't know what the guy's name was, but the guy that was really like cheering on even the rioting and the looting. And then the next day he tweeted about how it needs to stop because they tried to get into his gated community. The fact is people are being woken up even more at this point about the malfeasance of the corporate press and that the corporate press is the enemy of the people. And one day I'm going to talk everyone in the MLGA network into not saying mainstream media anymore because it just gives them credibility they don't deserve (laughs) because the corporate press there's nothing mainstream about what those bastards do. Absolutely. If you if you don't believe now that the press is a manipulative branch of this fifth column that we or you know wanna this this that we give all this umbrance uh, to right like I mean they've lied us into wars they've lied us into conspiracies they've lied us into fear over this COVID thing that it's almost irrational. Um, they've told an entire generation that, you know, college is too cheap, healthcare is too expensive, and that the world's coming to an end because they're going to burn up because of climate change. I, there is nothing, there's no bigger malpractice that the press has done to not only the society it is, it is basically supposed to inform, but literally to its own credibility than what it has done in the last three and a half years. I would, I would argue last six years. Um, but yeah, indeed. So a lot of people are being white pilled on that. The cathedral, as Mincha Smolbug called it, and that Michael Malice refers to, the, the it has three heads: the universities, the the state, and the media. And right now, all three of those are in the midst of this, because you have the the college professor that went onto Twitter and explained step by step and drew a diagram of how to pull down obelisks oh is that the egyptologist we were like 
right. reading her thread the other night when we were doing our uh, yeah. our riot coverage. Yeah, you have the the college Antifa kids that are starting stuff up and giving bricks to black people to get them to riot, and you have the press and the government who killed uh, George Floyd and who and Trump who's talking about sending in the National Guard to different places and you know responding with the military. You've got all three of these horrible institutions all at once doing bullshit that everyone can see. And I feel like that's a, that's a positive. I feel like that's a net positive. I mean, your boomer cons have been red-pilled on this stuff, right? All like, yeah, back to blue, back to blue. But then they're, they're hemming people up for opening up their salons and gems and stuff. I'm like, well, wait a minute, what? <laughs> they're, 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 they're starting to be like, all right, man, all right, all right. We, we, they're starting to realize you shouldn't blindly back to blue. We also have the end game too for this culture war, and I think, yeah, we're we're, we're seeing it. And like I said, I'll reserve a lot of what I'm breaking down in my, my next episode. But like, it's it's getting pretty gross. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to see the light when you're in the darkness. But I feel like there are s- several points of light that we can all see. And I think that you know, if we're smart human beings who want to live healthy mental lives, we should focus on those things. But to go to the the more dour note of it, I keep seeing on Twitter and different people, I keep seeing them call this a transition period. That this is a, pastors have said, this is a point that we can't go back from and this will change everything. It's the same conversation that was had over the coronavirus. There's going to be a new normal. Do you guys think that this is a transition period or do you think that this is a blip and everything folds back into the hegemony of the left. Hmm. I don't know. From if I take it from a you know ten thousand foot view over hundreds of years, it's a blip. Um. It, it's it, and it typically is. Um. But when it comes to how things are going to be shaped in the next ten years, um, technologically, we're we we're basically knocking at the door to singularity not to not in in an extreme sense right but from a technological standpoint and that technology will be technologically terrible in some ways um contact tracing mass surveillance for your own good for your own health but also from a perspective of like it it will change the way we interact because of how we look at the world now post COVID-19 um I think yes this is this is different this is this is an economic change and I think what the catalyst that led to this economic change was self-inflicted but I think it was a long time due like long before the shutdown of the economy there were there were signs um from student loan debt bubbles auto loan bubbles um the federal reserve every night giving banks like access to loan facilities because they were literally running out of money um the the bubble in the stock market um and really the coming insurrection on social media that is basically going to bring down the hammer on regulation the wild west of the social web as it was called in 19 uh, not in 19 but in 2003 2004 is dead um regulations coming and that will change things and so i think it may spur a more distributed internet we hope Mm -hmm. but 
cloud is a thing, working from home is a thing, the migration from cities is a thing. Yeah, this this will be a, a, a huge transitional period and it will reverberate for decades. And then we'll kind of come I back. I just mean particularly this George Floyd protest stuff. No, I, I believe they're because I believe they're all folded into the same um, okay. s- same continuum. I think this, you know, again, like all the things that were that I've laid bare were kindling for just a fire. Right. Um, yeah. When it comes to like, you know, the relationship between the the police and the citizen, the state and the citizen, it, it, it'll it'll get shaky for, you know, you know, and I hope so for the next four or five years, particularly because. I'm of the opinion that Trump will win re-election pretty easily. I don't think it'll be a landslide, but I think it'll win. Um, and so, you know, there will continue to be skeptical of power, which I appreciate, but it's not like they're terribly sophisticated about how skeptical of power they are, they being the left. But no, it's not gonna it's not gonna substantively change anything about the relationship between the African American community and police. Because we're gonna we're gonna be dealing with this again in the next couple of years when there's another egregious yeah opportunity when there's another egregious incident like this it hasn't changed yeah Ferguson was 2014 and we're we're six years later and we're still dealing with this well and that's the thing the egregious incidents have to happen to black people which is sad like it's i mean i'm and i'm not saying that because oh we should you should feel sorry about the white people more i just think that if there's this much unrest for george floyd there should have been at least an equal amount of unrest for Duncan Limp or Daniel Shaver or any of the other people that were killed by police. I, yeah. I did ask the group if they had any specific questions for you guys. And I'm pretty sure this whole podcast has answered the first one, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think that the police brutality issue is a problem of racism or of state power? I think me and Kim are in agreement that it's state power. It's yep, evident. state power. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the second question, and I think it's just because when I asked, people were like, I want to get to know Thaddeus and Kim better, um, is do you have personal experiences of racism from someone other than Ryan Burgett um, <laughs> that you would want to share or, or police harassment that you've had come against you in your life because of your skin color? Honestly, I don't know, Kim. You, you go first. You're younger than me, so I'm just like I'd have to think because I got to think in my old head. Any opportunities, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I've had some of the stereotypical experiences of you know because surprise, surprise, raised in the ghetto of getting the uh, follow around <laughs> the store. I've had that happen. That was weird. Um, hmm. And I've actually in but it. The world has proven that kids are just really mean. I've had, you know, kids call me the N-word and all sorts of stuff. And, of course, they weren't, like, you know, saying it like they, you know, they were my friends. They really were trying to insult me. So I've had the experiences before. But if I was to say in the past decade, no. Yeah. Kids are dicks. <laughs> this is yep. true. Have you, had any, have you ever had any? I mean, like, not to, to say that it's, you know, exactly the same thing, but... As a teenage boy, I was followed around stores, too, because I was a long-haired kid. You know, I looked like I was there to cause some trouble and maybe buy some marijuana from someone in Walmart. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And so, I mean, I, I had I had, I had, had a similar experience like that. But, like, I'll, I'll actually tell you the story. My son, my oldest son came up to me 
probably three or four months ago. Maybe it was longer, probably a, a year or two ago, actually. Um, and a guy had come over to help one of the uh, maintenance people for our apartment to fix something. And he was a black guy. My kids in the stores, everywhere that we go, they see black people all the time, especially when we were in Alabama. Um, but they live with a bunch of white people. All of the people, all of their family are a bunch of white people. And so this guy came into our house. It kind of changed the dynamic. And after he was in the house, my, my son go, looks at me and goes, that guy looks weird. And I was like, okay, I guess this is my first conversation with my son about race. And I was like, <laughs> you're not wrong because to you, this is something you are not used to. So it looks weird. And I said, however, that man, just like you and just like me, were made by Jesus. We're made in the image of God. We're all equal in that in that way. And God wants us to love him the same way. He just happens to have darker skin. And that was the whole conversation. And my son has never since then seen a black person and gone, well, he looks weird. Maybe when we get to the Mexicans, we'll have the same conversation. But so far, it's worked. Oh, man. <laughs> Have you had any issues with police when it comes to race stuff, Thaddeus? If I'd have to think back, I mean, I, I have two anecdotes, I guess. I guess once when, you know, born and raised in, you know, South Carolina, we were standing at the bus stop one morning and, you know, we were kind of hanging out and stuff like that, waiting for the school bus. And then a policeman drove by and then we kind of all decided to scatter <laughs> while he drove by <laughs> and yeah he got out of the car and he just kind of railed on us um that was my you know that was my first real experience with the cop i didn't really like that experience the only other time i can really think about it living out here which i have little to no encounters with the police is like i was getting ready for work one morning and i left my garage door open and i went inside to grab something and then I went in the car and I had the door open and I was in the car and, and trying to, you know, sort things out. And suddenly I heard someone call out and it was like a cop like behind, like at the entrance of the garage with his hand on his weapon, kind of looking at me and asking me who I was. I'm like, well, fuck, I live here. <laughs> and it made my wife and I didn't really I didn't freak out too much about it. Right. But it made my wife furious and she called the cop uh the police station to just raise hell and i just kind of like eh, he didn't sh at least he didn't shoot me in my own garage yeah for um <laughs> <laughs> but that i mean but i but even then like well, you're I'm, not white so yeah yeah right that right. only happens in the streets yeah exactly and right white so, people get shot in their houses so you're safe in your house right but no i've never i've never experienced it has have people maybe treated me a little differently or you know spoke a little bit more gingerly around me because I'm black or whatever. I guess, but I mean, out here I'm when I walk into the store, they're not following me. They're following like the uh the cholo, you know, they're they're following the Hispanic kid with his pants down his ankles yeah. around the store. They ain't following me. It's one of the beautiful reasons why I live out west. I find that the further west I went, like the more tolerant it became and like and and it it, it, it it just didn't bother anyone. It was more of a fascination. Like, ooh, you're black because you know, up until the you know the mid '90s, not a lot of black people lived out here. And the only experience people really had with dealing with African Americans out here was like the base Tupac. Or oh, I'm sorry, in the basketball and football teams at UNM, right? I mean, that's that's it. 
Um, but no, I, I, I haven't experienced it. Neither of my, my daughters, right? Because my daughters kind of blend in out here because, you know, everyone's kind of brown. <laughs> but no, those have really been my only experiences. And even then, I kind of, the first one, I was just being a stupid knucklehead kid. The second time, it's just like, yeah, I mean, don't shoot me, bro. I'm just in my trying to go to work. And, you know, and the wife raised hell about it, but, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of brushed it off, went to work, and thought it was weird. That is that is something else, though, that you could be going through your car in your, your driveway. In my in garage. garage. Not, in, not even and in my in driveway, garage. but in my garage. And a, and, a, and a cop will be like, hey, what are you doing in that car? <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah, that could have... Yeah, and, you know, it typically won't go south out here, because, you know, the, you know... It's not the Las Lunas Police Department that's going to shoot me down. It's the APD that will probably shoot me down more than anything, which is the Albuquerque Police Department, which had a reputation yeah. almost as bad as LAPD. But here's where I kind of put on my boomer con hat. Crime was lower when the when the APD shot and asked questions later. And um, there's something to be said about force. Um, who's the Who's the guy that you just mentioned um, that? Um, that coined the term the cathedral, or at least the concept of the cathedral? Uh, uh, Curtis Yarvin. Yeah, I, I'm listening to a podcast currently where he's with Thaddeus Russell um, discussing it. And, like, he 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 really helps. He really is kind of red-pilling me on, like, the dynamic of power. Like, there's always a power dynamic. Even in a even if we get Ancapistan, there will be power centers. There will be hierarchy. Um, and it... It, it's just kind of one of those things which is like, yeah, I guess so. Like power and, and, and ours is a world governed by the aggressive use of force, whether we like it or not. And um, yeah. the aggressive use of force typically gets you – it typically doesn't get you positive outcomes long term. It may get you a positive outcome short term, but long term as we've learned with concepts of, such as blowback – and even yeah. even the Ferguson effect, which was coined as a result of the fact of police kind of stepping back. I mean, this this deal with George Floyd, the protests, the riots, it could be very easily described as blowback. It is blowback. I no, I, I'm I'm under no illusion here. Like I'm look here, I tolerate the cops. I I I sometimes appreciate what they do, but I I don't. As an African American, I, I I've never trust them, so the, I mean don't don't get it twisted, right? Um, it's kind of like um, death taxes and abortion. Sometimes that these things are nasty things that have to happen, um, and the police being around is a nasty side effect of trying to live in a civilized society until we can voluntarily govern ourselves and and not like murder each other wholesale, um, which honestly wouldn't happen. But you know, let's. Let's not let's table that philosophical discussion for later. <laughs> but yeah, I, I you know, it, it is going to be blowback. It's blowback from the fact that the cops have been kind of heavy handed in some of these regions. It's also blowback from the fact that because of the blowback, because they were heavy handed to begin with, a certain amount of lawlessness has been allowed to kind of permeate these 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 neighborhoods. And I'm to mention I'm, the coronavirus. Well, yeah, then then there's that. Um, I'm, I'm one that will always blame the victim because I'm a dick, but the thing that solved the police brutality issue is one, um, we need to definitely look at qualified immunity, uh, period unions, which public sectors enjoy need to be disbanded, broken up, whatever. A lot of the reason why it took a long time to charge these four guys. Yes, there were four. Very diverse little group too. 
a white guy, a Asian guy, a black looks, guy. Looks like a, a black or Hispanic guy. It looks like it's it's the uh, 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 the Benetton right of like thugs. It's like a Hollywood TV show about cops. Yeah, right. That are that are yeah. So it doesn't matter what they are. They're equally thuggish, and they'll kidnap, extort, or kill you if necessary. And so, like, yeah, with that said, it just, there will be blowback to the blowback, right? Because of the lawlessness that we've allowed, that has basically been allowed to happen over the last couple of years, particularly in these blue cities, there's going to be a hard crackdown. And that will ultimately violate, because they have the power, they have the guns, and that will ultimately make things worse. And then we will, we will deal with these kind of, these endless vicious circles of crackdown, pushback, reform, and then throttling back and allowing lawlessness to happen and then crack down. And then it, it, it's really vicious, right? We're going to get law and order crackdowns. Um, we're not going to like them. Um, they're going to be brutal. They're going to be heavy handed. They will take care of the immediate problem. But we will be here in another couple of years with another riot because police have been allowed to, you know, maim and kill with impunity to quell the last time they were, you know, people were mad because they killed and maimed with impunity. And I, I just don't, that's why when I, I was, I'm quick to say like, oh yeah, we'll be here in another year or so if, if another incident like this happens. All right. I, I actually have two more questions for you guys. And I think after that, we'll wrap up. All right. Um, first question is with this situation and how people are painting black people, white people, everyone, um, is there anything that we've missed talking about that you think is an important point that people need to walk away with? When it comes to this situation. Or did we hit it all? Kim? Well, I'd say this has definitely been a lesson that uh, I think mainly the Libertarian Party, being a supposed representative, a terrible representative. Joe Jorgensen is going to save us. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I'm with her. (laughs) Yeah. But this would have been the time to try to reach out to all these disenfranchised, angry people. And as much as I agree with... You know, the fact that, you know, they're screaming about, oh, you know, they're destroying property. I'm like, wrong argument if you're going to be talking to these leftists. It's not the one you want to yeah. go with. You oh, want to yeah. go with something like you're destroying black businesses and you're supposed to be supporting yeah. black people, but you're destroying their business. LP can't figure that crap out for anything. So I just try to strongly urge people to maybe think about the f- their approach and not make it so easy for the left to call you a unfeeling, callous monster. Right. Like I said in the last episode, what we talked about afterwards, Kim, is speaking about the state in the same terms that the left speaks about it is a huge way to connect with those people. You don't have to say, oh, the whole state is based on racism. But if you you can say that the very nature of the state and how it was created and what it was created for was darkness and violence and some racism you have a conversation. Whereas if you just say, well, the state is always bad, blah, 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 and you don't find your way to talk to those people, they're not going to have a conversation with you. Why would they? You're just a white person who wants to keep all his money. (laughs) Yeah. we We do live in a strange time. It's also an exciting time and a depressing time. But before we go, you know, I know as a white man, I can't understand the plight and the experiences of black Americans. So the inverse is also true. You can't understand what it's like to be a white man. So if you have any questions for me, just shoot them my way. <laughs> it's okay to be white. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's fine. I <laughs> it's mean, fine. I wouldn't choose to be. 
but it's fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, you can find these guys on the MLGA network at mlganetwork.com. Uh, what's your twiddle? Twiddle. <laughs> what's your Twitter handle, uh, Thaddeus? Is it just at Nick Way? At Nick Way, N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. And of course, you know, if you guys step in and listen to Thank You For Your Servers, I typically, it's been very solitary and political the last couple of weeks, but typically I try to get into the tech news from a liberty perspective. And when my man Gary Guthrie gets out of jail, virtual jail, not actual jail, it'll be back to the tandem and we can discuss these tech topics in a lot more um technical detail, a lot more um, philosophical detail. It's just been hard lately because the tech press has been so enamored with this nonsense. And there's been so, I, I don't get me started on the ranting of the fact that like every tech CEO feels the need to write, write a letter about diversity uh-huh. or to, you know, bow at the altar of a social justice. And uh, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm just glad I got a second set of emails after the coronavirus. Launch. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Like you get this second <laughs> set of emails and then you have like, oh, yeah. I need to know what every company that I've ever shopped with, how they. I need to know how they feel about black people. I don't. Yes, I really need to know. I, I so don't give a shit. And and, and it's like no go and like you know you got venture capitalists saying hey we'll put more money into black communities and underserved communities and stuff like that. Yeah yeah yeah. Well well well. Good good good. If they have good ideas and they can bring good ideas to market in the tech sp- in the tech space that make my life easier, then yes, definitely open things up and stuff like that. But like, don't go out of your way. It's this is almost as bad as when back in like 2010, there's like there's not enough women in tech. It, it, shut up. Just shut up about this stuff. How many apps about your period do you need? I'm like, I'm in tech. What are you talking about? Yeah, and it's just like there are women in tech all over the place. It's just like I have daughters and. I'm a I'm in tech and none of them are interested in it. It's not that they're not smart enough to do it. It's just some some women don't gravitate toward that stuff. I'm I'm sorry. It's it's most don't. Hey, th- look, from my experience. Look, there is a tech woman on this podcast right now. Thank you very much. This is yeah, what just, I'm saying. Just most most women don't. Most women don't. Most women just want it to work. Yeah, they usually don't. I, I try to make my daughters like care and like they don't. <laughs> they really don't. I was like you want to learn how to code? Get out of here. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just saying, if you want to you want to eat when you grow up, I mean, you might want to learn a skill. You know, hashtag learn to code. Oh, whoops. That will get me banned. So, yeah. You know, no, no. Present company, you know, obviously, right? I mean, they do exist. That was the thing in 2010, too. It's, like, it's not like there's no women in tech. I mean, most of my supervisors and most of the software developers I knew when I got out of the uh, Air Force and like was working contract work were women. Then yeah. you know, this <laughs> is I don't understand. It's just like, like yeah, yeah. like all the there coders. There've been women for a while. It's just there's a little bit more trickling. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Also, if you want to find our good friend Kim, you can listen to Lesbertarian on the MLGA network as well, and you can tweet at her at Lesbertarian. And you can go on Instagram and find her there at Lesbertarian. And I'm pretty sure if you want to email her, you can email her at Lesbertarian at gmail.com. I mean, I think she just has the the market cornered on Lesbertarian. Amen. <laughs> and for me, if you want to find me, type this is MLGA really anywhere. You can put it in front of Gmail if you want. I'd prefer you'd put it in front of at MLGA But, you know, it is what it is. Thank you guys for joining me. 
Thank you for the conversation. If you have any additional questions about whiteness and what it's like to be white, just let me know. I'm here for you. I'm here to, to bridge the divide and bring equality. All right. As always, you guys have a great week and try your best to stay sane. Yeah.